What's up, party people? It's been a while. episode of the Talk To Me You Understand podcast. My name is John Carlos Silas, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about themes of improving oneself, but first, you got to know oneself. A little first, a little life update. Grad school is going pretty well. Just finished up my third, my, I'm sorry, my first year in grad school. Um, finished out the semester with a 4.0, and I'm pretty excited about that, but it's still a couple, it's still a long road ahead for me. And I think I have about a year and a half-ish, hopefully. Um, yeah, i got to work some things out and see what my credit lies and stuff like that. But so far, so well. I'm enjoying the Richmond life so far. I've really liked the trails all around where I live now. Um, recently just moved to a different place up in Southside and i love it i'm really close to forest hill park and it's just the most forest hill park is just some of the most i think it's probably the most peaceful park that i've ever been to and i really enjoy it enjoy it a lot and uh i've actually was interviewed there for uh the todd miller scholarship video that uh this kid from long university is making so hopefully that will be out and uh i'll probably share that pretty soon once I officially get word that I can share that um, pending, I think he's asking for people's like kind of opinions on it or to see if everything's good to it. And I already saw the uh, the final draft of it. I'm just eager to share with you guys what, you know, Todd Miller's all about and a little bit about my rugby side and, and all that cool stuff. So other than that, um, big life update actually. Um, just got back from Bonnaroo, my first official roo, and that was freaking amazing. I had the time of my life over there. I've been to so many different concerts when I was there, and I met so many great people. And to be honest, I was roaming around pretty much solo dolo, and I didn't mind that at all. All I had to do was just look to my, re- my left, look to my right, and just kind of talk to people all around me. And it was funny because I remember going to the 21 Savage concert by myself because none of my friends really were into 21. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was waiting in line to go to the pit for 21, and I actually met a couple of uh, different high school kids from actually from around the area of Manchester itself. And apparently it wasn't their first room, and I kind of looked like a, like a rookie in front of these, like, 17-year-olds. It was funny, though. But nevertheless, I still had a great time, and uh, I 
you know, I think one of my favorite concerts that I saw at the venue was Suicide Boys, and that was insane. That was probably the most hype concert I've ever been to, and I've never, like, been moshing before. Like, I've been in a mosh pit, like a real one, and some of you may be, like, hardcore rockheads or whatever, and I never already spoke to some of my friends about it, and they're, they're like, Suicide Boys is nothing. you got to go to, like, a real hardcore rock festival or concert or whatever to go into a real mosh pit and then you'll be certified but whatever dude and it's just it was like i I, that was like something on my bucket list that i've always wanted to do and and i've perfectly felt like pretty much comfortable um you know it was just me like you know bumping into each other like checking people left and right who wants to go who wants to smoke you know, my head was on a swivel, but at the same time, I was vibing out to uh, Suicide Boys, and that was awesome. So, that was the probably the highlight of my Bonnaroo. But other than that, I mean, it was just a blast, just meeting countless people, just not having a hesitation to, you know, talk to someone left or right. And, just, you know, even all the people there were just incredibly nice, and, you know, I, I, I definitely felt safe, and you know, in my zen, if that makes sense, so, yeah, I mean, Bonnery was awesome, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's looking to try out their new, looking to try out a festival life, or anything like that, and, you know, just any kind of festival really would be ideal, just go to one, just go to one, man, Uh, it's awesome, I, I, I mean, I just highly recommend it, but, if you're someone who doesn't really like to camp a lot or something like that, then it's probably, you know, you you just have to really tough it out. And uh, that was probably the best feeling ever. It was just toughing it out throughout Bonnaroo and then enjoying it all in the trenches with my friends and going to all these different concerts. That was probably, that's probably just, that's how it should, Bonnaroo should be. So, so I meant to record this episode earlier, probably this year, but you know, life got in the way and all that and I just didn't I wanted to talk about something you know like concrete in some different concepts in psychology and I think if I stick along with this podcast enough then I'll go into different couple of different concepts in psychology that I found pretty much of benefit to me and how I see my life and how I see the world pretty much so one concept that I've probably been interested in and I found this out through like this anime show called um, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and it's on Netflix, and it's pretty dark, and uh, and it's not for everyone. So uh, I'll leave you leave it up to you guys if you want to watch that. But the whole show is basically on the premise of the Hedgehog Dilemma. So, and the Hedgehog Dilemma is a parable about porcupines. So and it's uh and it's actually by the philosopher named uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, and uh, in his last book before he died was called uh, Parer- La Parerga and La Paralipomena. That came out in 1851, and it's essentially about the human condition about seeking out intimacy and warmth and all this different jazz about like con- different connections and relationships and through you know, daily life, and it's just, uh, this guy had a rather dark and pessimistic view about the human connection and all that, and uh, he compared humans to basically hedgehogs, and, uh, 
So the hedgehog in the winter, it's, it's, it's cold. It wants warmth. So it tries to seek out the warmth and connection through other hedgehogs. But the big problem is, is that all these hedgehogs, I mean, their main attributes is these spikes on their backs and all around their bodies. So the closer that they get to other porcupines, you know, it, it, the more they kind of hurt themselves. And in this comparison to humans, a lot of these, like, if you think about it, like a lot of them, your insecurities and flaws and all that. And if you kind of, you, the way you kind of see the world can kind of affect of how you may connect to other people. And if you think about it now, just everything has just become so polarized at this point, you know, politically, like left, right. I mean, for me, it doesn't matter. I enjoy all different kinds of perceptions and views. And it's just some people can just be so, you know, like arrogant in the way that they're thinking. And it's just they, they can't let up any other like viewpoint. And it just and it's not and it doesn't have to be all about politics and it can be about you know, different stereotypes about what you hold of for other people. And that can kind of hinder what you can connect to other people as well. For me, for an example, I, you know, growing up, I just had like kind of a mentality that, you know, just all my friends would essentially, they would all be gone at some point. They would just be tired of me at at any point. And, uh, you know, talking to other people would just be kind of pointless at some point and um you know it it wasn't a healthy mindset to live in and uh you know I definitely believe that you know I I just it's not a healthy mindset to live at all and I mean if you want to have those you know meaningful moments between human connection then that's not probably a productive mindset to live with and a lot of the different concepts, I mean, throughout the show in Neon Genesis Evangelion, it plays on this fact, too. And the main character, Shinji, is just so traumatized, like traumatized through his childhood, but also this trauma kind of, it, it, it kind of acts like a river and it just like acts up throughout his um, teenagehood and even through the present of throughout the show. And you kind of see that and how he relates to other people and he just has a, such a closed mindset of it of throughout, throughout the world and through other people but I, I think this can kind of relate to another concept that I, I recently discovered not recently but through a couple of years in s- taking sociology sociology classes called the um the looking glass self and uh that is by charles cooley and it essentially is about how people can imagine how they appear to other people through their own lens. And I probably, you know, messed up that definition by itself, but essentially it is all about how you see yourself through the lens of other people. And I think that's probably a better definition of that. And, you know, through this, you know, perception of yourself, it's just like you kind of imagine how others are thus judging you upon the appearance and how they present themselves. Um, You know, it's just, I struggle with this a lot. And I, you know, growing up in Northern Virginia, I, you know, in high school and all this stuff, I was worried about how people could perceive me in such a way. And I just kind of like, you know, like kind of dressed and also just, 
you know, acted in different ways that like, you know, that it could peel that it could peel to other people, and that wasn't really like my authentic self. Like that wasn't really genuine of me. You know, and it wasn't until like I realized what I was doing until I went down, to, like I went to college down in like Farmville, far away from Northern Virginia and far away from people from Northern Virginia itself. You know, and uh, and this is I still struggle with this habit. Um, I've I made a lot of improvements on this, and uh, I kind of struggle with that a little bit now. But you know, I'm way better now than um than I was in high school. You know, I I stopped caring about for most of the time. I stopped caring about what people think of me, and uh, you know, I made this podcast, and I don't care what anyone thinks about me making a podcast and out at all, and how that's what kind of what kind of I mean, like what that kind of portrays about me. You know, and it's just I I kind of look for that aspect in a lot of people, and uh, yeah, I never looked back from that. I mean, and it's a mindset that I generally recommend for a lot of people that are struggling with depression and anxiety as well. And it's just, um, very beneficial, but also coolly emphasize the individual's autonomous role in deciding which judgments they pay attention to and identity formation. So like I said earlier, this is probably the cornerstone of like, you know, my, dealings with depression in high school and all that stuff so and it deals with as well as in controlling and evaluating the responses of others so you want to really look for positive reinforcement and you'll probably much almost do anything for it um an example a really popular example that comes to mind is um you know I, i remember it was probably one of the most vivid scenes of uh what's that show called it's in my mind. It's on HBO. What's it called? Euphoria. Yeah. So, sin. There's a scene where in the second season where Sydney Sweeney is like, is like, pretty much going through a manic state, and in a couple of different scenes, and she's like, going through a whole ritual, like, and it's almost like, like borderline obsessive, like, obsessive, uh, um, like pretty much OCD, and she like goes through all those rituals about like you know showering she shaves her like her legs like her arms and all this stuff and she puts all this makeup and all this different kind of stuff and she does that repeatedly every day and she wakes up at like 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 three o'clock in the morning just to do this stuff and it takes like three hours for her to do it just so that she can impress this one dude and that is essentially I mean you could say you could argue that that a lot of that stuff deals with the looking glass self another example well rather personal example for me is just like if you think about sports you know trying to bet on anything is really tough sometimes I mean um, you kind of just draw upon the most recent events to anything a team player or anything like that I mean you know, you never know if, you know, in the NBA, you just if Seth Curry is going to score another 40-point piece or anything like that. Or, you know, if, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs that I recently just just saw on my phone, if he's going to score three touchdowns for your fantasy team or anything like that. And you can kind of guess 
and a lot of those a lot of that guessing can be really based upon previous you know events that is taking place um this kind of thinking can really play a lot into daily life as well i mean you never know like if someone just based upon their appearance can just hold down a steady job or make six figures or anything like that but just just based upon the recent events of what you know and the appearance of what you see and anything like that can make you draw upon a conclusion that may just be pretty much false last bits of uh, some concepts that I want to get into is called the uh, biofeedback theory and this is essentially is the theory about the power of the mind and this kind of so think about um, the placebo effect and how how powerful that is so I've read a couple of I know a lot of different studies that kind of just looked into the placebo effect and just noticed that you know, if you take a sugar pill compared to, like, you know, maybe an Alexa Pro or anything like that, I mean, the same, probably sometimes you can even see effects from the sugar pill that has more benefits to somebody than actually from taking the Alexa Pro. And as far as how difficult that may be to believe, I mean, the power, you cannot deny the power of the mind. Um, the biofeedback theory therapy is actually essentially just think about just how a heart monitor works. Someone can actually calm themselves just enough to even lower their heart rate just based upon looking at their at the monitor. So, if uh, I sometimes kind of practice this on my um, Apple Watch and just look at the heart rate on my um, watch and just slowly breathe myself calm myself down and then as you watch the number go down it kind of just helps you even lower it some more so that's essentially the power of the mind and the biofeedback theory so the last concept that I want to get into is called apperception and it's defined on Google which I kind of made these notes a couple months ago and I don't I'm just reading it as pretty much live at this moment and uh, so the definition is the mental process by which a person makes sense of an idea by assimilating it to the body of ideas he or she already possesses um, that kind of doesn't make sense to me to be honest with you uh, I kind of learned this term through my fa very fond mentor uh, Mary Carol Hackett in at Longwood and Essentially, what it is, is just being fully conscious in the very moment of existence that you're kind of in at the moment, at any kind of moment. Um, it can take place at any time or place, and it's just, uh, it's fully being aware of where you are, what you are, how you are, how do you feel, and a lot of kind of a perception deals with I think it takes a lot of different roots in Buddhism. And, and it's something that I kind of practice a lot whenever I meditate. Or even, you know, kind of um, whenever I hit the trails, honestly, I think my favorite place in the world is uh, 
the, right now is a 42nd Street Island down in Southside. And one of my favorite things to do over there is, uh, you know, kind of, well, kind of cross some little stream or whatever. And it's just like kind of, I like to be far and alone from everywhere around. At least it's there. It's kind of a popular place. But, you know, just to meditate and just be fully aware of what's around you. Just 100% in the in a complete moment, you know, just dump out all of your thoughts, all of your worries, all of the pointless and countless bullshit that you're kind of worrying about beforehand before you got to that moment, just let it all go. And you know that nothing matters other than this very moment. And uh, I think it helps a lot with um, my anxiety as well. And I kind of recommend it to anyone who's looking to kind of work upon their anxiety and it's just I even practice it when I was at Bonnaroo you know that I think the last day you know the very last day when we were all set to leave I was sitting upon my friend's uh, car just on the roof of it and just observing people just leaving and I was just completely very much in the moment just soaking it all in because there's not going to be another moment like that it's never going to happen again. And I think it's, there's a beauty of that. And, um, yeah, actually, you know, come to think about it, there's a, I think it's Buddhist or Tibetan, I can't, I can't remember. There's a scene in the House of Cards. Um, there's these monks that come to the White House. And you got to look up the scene on YouTube because... These monks come into the White House, and they're doing this. Uh, they're almost making like, like designs and sa- like with sand, like different colors of sand, and they make these like really, like complex looking sand, like pictures or something like that. Kind of looks like this giant circle of a thing, but there's like, there's like really complex like little. F- figurines inside these like structures or whatever and it's all like kind of made on this table you know it's like like this round table or table or something like that and uh you know they, it takes days for them to make so they're there they're doing it they take shifts to do it like all night all day and uh you know by the end of this episode i think they just and it's kind of pays a really good tribute to a lot of the concepts in that episode and what kind of the people are going through and all that stuff and it just they kind of just all at the end of this episode they just wipe it away because it just and that's just kind of a, a practice that they do just not getting too attached to any design or anything like that and they just really focus on a being in the moment and just you know it's more about being in complete focus of what they're doing and the complex designs and everything like that but it, it still relates to the same concept of apperception. It's just being in complete bliss, complete, you know, awareness of uh, where you are and what you are because, you know, it, it's all dealing with the logic that it's never going to happen again. And it's just, there's no, you know, you, there's no better, you know, there's no other better moment and you have to enjoy it and as much as you can so 
But yeah, I mean, I highly recommend watching, or at least, let me look this up. Tibetan. Yeah, so look up. So I think I'm pretty sure House of Cards is still on Netflix. Hopefully, um, it's on season three, episode seven, and you can see a portion of the what the monks do in on YouTube, and it's literally called House of Cards, the monks theme or anything like that. It's called the Mandela. That's what it is. That's the word that I've been trying to come up with in my head. But yeah. Um, so, in conclusion, what we do is a product of how we think, and how we think is a product for what we do. And, uh, you know, I really want you want that to stick with a lot of people, and it's just, you know, f you be careful about what you do and what you kind of absorb online or anything like that, or people around you. Just really be observant about, you know, the different kinds of energies that people put upon yourself in your life and it's just I've been you know kind of working on that as well um you know I've been I, I don't want to say that I've been cutting off people because I just you know if I see them in person I'm not gonna like not say hello or anything like that but there's people in my life now that I just I don't I, do, I kind of don't need to see them anymore they've had their purpose for me and that was that and uh you know I I made that kind of sacrifice in order to make room for people that I love more and you know it, it it's not a difficult concept for me to grasp but it was just more of a I think it was a rite of passage you know f to you know to leave undergrad and then to kind of like enter a new stage in my life and you know I kind of implore you to kind of explore that different concept so yeah, um, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for all the feedback that some of you has given to me. Um, I'm going to try to do another episode soon, hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, I this is, I plan to do this episode, or I may even I even made some notes for this episode like a couple months ago. But you know, dealing with grad school, is, I wouldn't say it's been a lot. But it's definitely been more of an accommodation for me, and sometimes it's just been a little bit too much. And uh, also, I was playing rugby at the time as well, so you know, and, and uh, you know, kind of was finding a job at the at the time, and uh, and just, yeah, actually, to talk about that a little bit. I did actually find a job in uh, in uh, some social work. So I'll be dealing with a lot of um, at-risk youth populations. It's kind of dealing with a lot of uh, social work around the area of Richmond, so I'm excited to do that. Um, so, yeah, um, that's the episode, guys. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll talk to you in the next time. Bye. Love you guys.